It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome in to No Shot Clock. Uh, we are ready to go with a mailbag edition. I was a little nervous. I was just telling Joe a second ago, we didn't get a bunch of questions early, but you guys really stepped up here in the last uh, day and got us enough questions to do this episode. Uh, it's kind of a new format this year. You know, we'd always taken questions kind of every episode or every other episode, but we figured we'd save them all for one. So over the next month, you know, if you've got a question, feel free to even send it to me. You can just email mobrian at suntimes.com and I'll save it for the mailbag edition. And hopefully we'll get in at least two more of these for the season before the season wraps up. Uh, how was your week, Joe? Good. Bounced around Saturday. Shootout season is coming to a close here for the December. Well, I, what am I saying? There's another one. There's another one yeah. coming on the 23rd. Uh Yeah. So I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for holiday tournaments. Shootout season never ends. You know what I'm I'm ready for? I'm I, I enjoy going to one game <laughs> that's like packed with locals and is a lot of fun. And I feel like that is less and less and less every year. I I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that should be my take. But um, let's uh, let's start out with our two takes. We'll, we'll go to that and then we'll hit the mailbag. Um, you want to start it off, Joe? Yeah, I mean, my first one is just, you know, holiday tournament time is here. It's coming next week. And, you know, holiday tournament organizers, you know, getting their brackets right is not an easy task, uh, especially when, you know, they're forced to to come up with them and, and finalize those brackets, sometimes two weeks before the actual tournament is being played. Uh, you know, sometimes there's only five, six, seven games or eight games that they can base it on, Uh, you know, and and they also have to try to avoid, they try to avoid certain matchups that they can where conference teams or rematches from that have already taken place. So there's a lot that goes into, to to coming up with these brackets and, and, and matchups for the holiday tournaments. Um, and, And everybody does it differently. They, you know, some have a, I've, talk to different tournaments and some have a committee and some have the coaches provide input and put their seeds in some do a combination and some will reach out and utilize some outside resources for some guidance and some help and tips on teams and things like that. But every year, Mike, when the brackets come out, I always look at them, try to plan my schedule, but also every year as I go through them, something will jump out at me uh, with all the brackets and usually what jumps out at me are ones that I feel like, Oh, that's just not quite what I would have done. And this year, and that usually happens in the early rounds when there's a big time early round matchup that takes place. And, and again, this is, I, I kind of put it out there. A lot of things sometimes are out of the control of the tournament organizers, but I'm just going to, my take is just on a, on a couple of these that stood out to me this year. And, and I start with Hinsdale central, the holiday tournament, Mike, where if you, if you look at this thing, you know, I, I, 
you saw Oswego East play on Saturday. They were without their point guard. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, that's a big hit. I don't know if you found out like how long uh, Shoto is out. They weren't um, sure. Uh, it had yeah. just happened, I guess, at the end of the Plainfield North games. So they were going to wait in here. It didn't sound horrible, though. Yeah. So, you know, but the point is they've lost a couple of games to ranked teams. Really good record. Been ranked almost all year or have been ranked. And they are playing at Hinsdale Central on their second round games against an 8-1 and one or 9-1 and one Stevenson team. You've got a, a Marion Catholic playing against Rockford Auburn in the second round. And then there's other bracket. And again, I don't want to pick on these teams, but just it jumps out at me. Hinsdale Central and Homewood Flossmore will be facing off each other. And you know, this this bracket has Hinsdale Central eight and three, HF eight or five and four, Oak Forest five and three, St. Charles East five and five. Two of those teams are getting in the semifinal. Uh or one of those teams is getting in the semifinals through a, a road that's pretty easy. Whereas we've got Oswego East and Stevenson and, and these other brackets that are just kind of loaded. So there, there's one. And then the York one, Jack Tosh. Um, man, I, I, I can't imagine putting together a 32 team bracket and trying to avoid. And, and, and I didn't try doing that, but, but again, this is a, a tournament where Rowan Meadows is probably the favorite, even with the one loss to Nutrier, but, they're going to play a ranked team, St. Patrick, in the second round, uh, which is kind of absurd to me, where there's other brackets. You know, I'll throw one out at you, Mike. Nazareth, Yorkville, Wheaton North, Palatine. I mean, that doesn't really make sense. Uh, and there's other little brackets in here that, that don't make sense. So, I, you know, I, I, I hate picking on it. These are just my takes. It, it, it really hurts uh, holiday tournaments when you've got some of these matchups that are so early that could have been avoided in my mind uh, in, in the eyes of a lot of people actually when when you talk to different coaches and things so uh, it's just a little bit of a downer for me and just a take on holiday tournament and again as I said a, a difficult task sometimes but it also allows me to give credit where credit is due to these tournaments where year in and year out, I rarely ever, and I'll use Pontiac as an example. How many times, Mike, and you you live in Pontiac for three days, have you really been dismayed by what Pontiac has done with their bracketing and seats? Only last year when Joliet West had the most difficult road to the state or to the championship in in history. But no, you're right. They they do a nice job of it for sure. They do wait a bit later than some. Um, not as late as all of them. Proviso West was really late this year doing it, which seems like a good idea. But man, to your point about York, I actually did try. And I I you know, actually sitting down and trying to do it taught me something. One of the issues York has, there are so many schools from the same conference that basically the first thing you got to do is sit down and divide them up. And at that point, you're almost done because I agree with you, Mike. But as my if I've got, let's say, 32 teams, because it's hard, like you said, is I am what I would do or what I've did. What I've did is is I took the top eight teams, just top eight. And I made sure they were 
separated. far apart. Yeah. Like St. Patrick and Rolling Meadows should not be playing in the second round. Well, well, 30, well guess of a, what? Of a, of a 32 team tournament. Nazareth beat St. Patrick. Well, but are you going to put St. Patrick? Probably not. But like when they, when they were doing it, St. Patrick hadn't beat Marist and Marian Catholic yet. They, you know, that this is already done. So I will give them a bit of, you got a Nazareth win over St. Pat's. St. Pat's isn't ranked at that point. Now they went out and had a great week. Um, so that hurts you. But I mean, I get your point. But no, me, and, there, and, there, and there's, you know, Lake Forest, Leo, Riverside, Brookfield, and Schaumburg together. I mean, Lake Forest has struggled. Yeah. And they were kind of either Lake Forest or RB was rewarded. Um, you know, I'm not so. sure they can keep the top eight away. I, I know it, it seems really difficult. Just if you don't want to have a at least a second round game, you know, that could be a conference, it gets really difficult. Basically, they need to shake it up and have fewer teams from the same conferences. I mean, yeah, you'd have to go out of a, diff- a little bit geographical area, uh, but to me, but that's again. the biggest issue. There aren't that many conferences represented with more than one team, but then there's some that have three and four. It's just there's too many. Um, yeah. But I, I did, I did my top eight, and I had no problem separating the eight, and then fill in the rest. I don't care. Um, anyway. yeah, proviso seemed to be all right. Um, well, there's only they, they kept apart what they had to keep apart, which but that's pretty easy to do there. It's it is pretty top heavy turn. They used to be the one I would have the most issue with. Ironically, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I, I guess it's the I, same I, as I, Central I, Group. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Yeah, I they, agree. Uh, yep. Kind of did it more for first round ticket sales sometimes, it seemed, <laughs> than other stuff. But um, all right. Oh, yeah. My take. Um, Joe may groan at this topic. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I figured, you know, we're heading into the, the big, got, got a big Sayonara showdown at uh uic i'm so tired of trying to call that credit bank union whatever i'm just calling it uic from now on i'm I'm done with that um big shout out to uic i still call a pavilion yeah go ahead because man i can't keep the name changes every two years it's too difficult but you know we got that coming up we got the holiday tournaments as joe mentioned coming up in a week so why not let's lay it out where do we stand a month into the season with the player of the year race <laughs> That's what I expected, Joe. Very excited about this. Um, I was surprised we actually didn't get a question on it. I figured we would, but we didn't. So well, just so uh, few big platform opportunities. I don't know. Anyway, you know coming- my you know my thoughts on November twenty fourth through December fifteenth. Yeah, well, we're in almost to December twentieth here, and it's go yeah, time. It is. So who's it gonna? Is. I mean, for a lot of teams, more than a third of the season's over. Um. And it's, boy, it's not, it doesn't look much different, the player of the year race, than we thought. No. Nobody's really stepped up. I think maybe Day-Day Ames has had some nice games, and Kenwood is off to a really good start. So I think that has helped him overall. Um, I don't think he outplayed either of the fears in the actual head-to-head matchup, but he won. Um, That's important. I think... Maybe Marez Johnson has put a step forward more than I would have expected at this point. I think he's clearly been the best of the St. Rita players. Although I think Noyes Intercitus has come on strong recently. Um, I would have those guys and then Cam Christie as the top tier. Cam Christie, you know, just hasn't had his moment yet. They haven't had a big game. They haven't had a big win. 
they're going to need to do some stuff over the next week or sorry, two weeks with the holiday tournaments. And then as far as like up and coming second tier, I think Ahmad Henderson has put his name in the conversation with how well brother rice has played. And he's put up big scoring numbers in a lot of games, you know, that's actually tailed off recently, which I think I wrote about it. That's good for brother rice, but he was putting up big scoring numbers early when they needed him. Um, And after that, I mean, DeAndre Craig's done all right. They're playing well, but his scoring numbers are actually lower this year, which is also good for his team. But man, after that, I started really struggling for anybody else. Um, The Simeon thing is my issue. I I don't really have. Will someone emerge from Simeon over the holidays? Maybe, you know, Sam Lewis has put up some big numbers, but is anybody thinking of him as a player of the year candidate? I I don't know. So, so I think it's really wide open heading into the holidays for sure. Yeah, I don't, but I, I I think player of the year stuff is a lot of times the conversation is, is forced in many years where you kind of just like, I see player of the year lists or what I, and, you know, I had three going into this season. I think they're still the same three. And I think when we talk in a month from now, it's going to be the same three. And at the end of the year, we'll still be deciding on the same three. I don't see it change between Fears, Christie, and Day-Day Ames. I just, you know, their teams are all going to be there at the end of the day with, they're all going to get big wins. They're all going to be 26 to 25 to 27 wins. They're all going to, and they're all going to put up numbers. And it's just going to come down to some of those individual moments and, and, you know, even maybe, you know, not the head to head is the be all end all, but they they do some some of them play each other, and so yeah, I just I think it's those three, and then I guess I would add some long shots like a Ahmad Henderson, but um, yeah, I, I don't I you don't I, think I, that I, I mean, what if Simeon's undefeated? I just think that's I mean, you don't think any either the Rubens or. I just think they're going to be so balanced all year, Simeon. You know, I mean, the the the, the biggest moment from a Ruben was Wes Ruben, but you know, let's say Pontiac Miles Ruben shines. I, you know, I I just think it's going to be a trade off among Simeon players, and how pivotal Jalen Griffith has been for that team. It's just, I just think it's a different dynamic with Simeon. I'm not, you know, I mean numbers do matter in player of the year. They just, they just do. Um, and it's, it's gotta be apples to apples to me in, in player of the year banter. And I think it's hard for it. And it's all usually hard for a big to, to, to begin with, unless you are dominating uh, because you just don't in high school, you just don't tend to have big numbers as a big man in high school and just, you know, I mean, we had Julia Okafor with huge numbers, Cliff Alexander, but those were top five players in the country in the rankings who were men. Um, It's just really difficult for strictly interior players in high school basketball uh, to pile up the type of, of numbers that warrant player of the year consideration. I mean, there's, it can happen, but it's just it's just more difficult. So, 
Yeah, I, I, again, I, I, I think it'll, it'll be those, those three that I mentioned. I think uh, it'll play itself out, and I anticipate it being a tough call, is, is what I believe. Um, two months away from it even mattering. My second take, Mike, is holiday tournament time is a just kind of what we we're just talking about. Huge platform. It is a big opportunity for teams that we've, you know, talked about a lot to kind of take center stage and 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 prove their worth. And I, there's two teams to me, and I, I write about a little bit in my three pointer this week. Uh, if there's one team, Mike, I'll put while you giving your reasons why. It, what one team do you think has the most to prove holiday tournaments? If you had to pick one team, Rolling Meadows. Okay, so you know I, I, my two teams that that I believe in that would be Rolling Meadows and Saint Rita. So, it, it kind of for different reasons, Saint Rita has had some opportunities. I'm not saying they've falling flat in their flat in their face but i mean they were blown out by simeon they kind of buckled and blew a big lead to juliet west and then took care of business on the road and a really impressive win at brother rice so you know they're finding their way and they're just what, what they have in front of them is a massive opportunity against two more heavyweights in the chicago public league and highly ranked teams in young and kenwood at the proviso west holiday tournament to really open eyes and and maybe it's one big test they pass, you know, going one and one and compete and and play right with them. That's what I need to see. That's what I want to see. I, I, I believe that'll happen. I, I, I would be stunned if, if St. Rita were to, I don't know, lose in the semifinals and get blown out and just say, poop done. You know, there's my, there's my loss. Uh, so they're, they've got a lot to prove with, with that opportunity in front of them that provides a West and rolling medals for a different reason is, you know they've they their schedule does really ramp up uh going forward they the the road at at um at york is doesn't have like superpowers but it does have some some opportunities to to put together some resume building wins you know there's four or five ranked teams there's a couple undefeated teams in lt and lamont you know ignatius is the top 10 team st patrick we mentioned a second round matchup potentially for them uh, Rolling Meadows has had one matchup against Nutrier, highly ranked team. I was at the game. They lost by one, led the whole way. Um, you know, the, the it, it can't be underestimated, though. Svet Sodorov w- w- was a name no one's really familiar with. He was averaging 17-9 and nine out of the gate for Rolling Meadows in the first five, six games, you know, to compliment Camp Christie. And that is just a, a you know boom they lost him on the night before and they came in uh you know 15 hours later playing without him it, it's a tough loss uh so you know Nutrier deserved that win with the the unbelievable three point shooting display that they, they they put up but you know rolling medals has a chance to win a tournament where you have to play five games in five days and it's that that's tough it's not it's one of the more difficult things to do even though it's you know it doesn't have the top heavy or top heavy teams that provides the west has and it doesn't have the the high profile teams that pontiac has but going to win and if you're going to have to beat st pat's in the second round and then a glenbrook south in the third round before you even get to the semifinals you know you're going to put together three four big you know impressive wins and 
So Roy Mendel needs to go and do that, and I, I think they're going to. I mean, that's my pick to win that tournament, but uh, that's a big chance for them or a big opportunity for them to kind of to kind of show who they are and um, in front of some people and and you know to achieve some things that they set out to achieve that that program hasn't over you know several decades. Yeah, that will be interesting to watch. Um, you know, another team that I think has a bit to prove is is Whitney Young, which does not have a good local win. We, we, we I mean, you could re- rewind the tape every year. <laughs> I seem to we seem to be at this point. Um, you know, they lost a good game to Kenwood, the first game of the year, and um, that's really been you know it locally. Um, and I was just looking at their schedule, and it dovetails perfectly into my second point or not point i guess what do we call these our takes i can't stand this current public league alignment and scheduling i'm tired of acting like i'm sort of okay with it i've complained about it in the past it just stinks it's so bad this red south slash central with 10 teams and this red west slash north with 10 teams everybody plays each other once but that's not true Everybody's not play each other once because of the setup. Only the bottom two teams go down. And that means no offense to the teams that go down. You have to be terrible in that world. You literally have to win one, two conference games, maybe only three. And that gives protection to the top teams. There's no way they're going down. 80% of the conference isn't worried about it. And it allows things like I just saw on Whitney Young's schedule. I didn't realize this, and I didn't realize it when I did the rankings. Looks like they just forfeited Friday's game against Clark because they were going to D.C. Or this is, I'm sorry, this is two weeks ago. It's on here as a forfeit. And we see that a lot, especially in the Red Northwest, with teams just picking up forfeits when they're going to be out of town so they don't bother to play the game because they don't have to worry at all about going down because in the past, you know, it, it was when it was a five team league, it got a little close there, even for the best teams that they lose a couple anyway. It, and we were just seeing this right and left. I don't like that. Every team doesn't go to every place every year. I think that's really been bad for our rivalries. We're not seeing any new ones come up. We're not seeing anything strengthened. They're just all slowly dying. The public league rivalries. Cause you can go two years. If with a forfeit, you can go three years without showing up. That's almost a complete graduating class when that team never came to your school to play. I mean, it, it's just, I don't know what we're getting out of this. I know in the, I know it was created maybe sort of to appease the top coaches who were tired of playing the teams they perceived as not good twice a year. That was the issue. We'll take a look at the red Northwest now. I, I mean, you, you're just playing once, you're playing just as many games that you would consider not good as ever before, because the way things have gone, everybody's just gotten weaker. I I just don't understand what the point is of this now. You know, I just, I'm not going to get through it, but I've divided everything up. I would prefer 16 divisions, but I I don't know. I, I just don't know what, what is the point of this now? What, what is being served? It's just, you've made it bigger and it's not better. There's no point anymore. When you initially took these 10 teams into each, yes, they were stronger, but this has weakened everybody. It's not good. And now you're in the same spot you were before with five games. You don't want to play basically. Anyway, end of my rant. Yeah. I I think the publicly is just hurting in general in a lot of ways. Um, I've talked about the overall talent. I've talked about 
the demise of some of the programs that have been staples in the city. It's 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 really a downer. Um, the amount of games, Mike, that you know, you go to more publicly games than I do, but the ones, the amount that I would circle on my calendar, you know, every year. Okay, going to this one, going to this one, going to this one. I mean, that's just dwindled. I mean, there's the you know, I I just you know, I looked forward to going to a game at Bogan every year. I loved going to Bogan, whether it be, you know, Morgan Park going to Bogan or Simeon going to Bogan. Um, and, and this doesn't really go with what you're saying. It's just another part of the city basketball that has been really hurt because I, I, people like me aren't going to those gyms either because of, well, because of what you just said, but also because, Gosh, that that the the programs have really fallen on some hard times across the city. Six of the ten teams in the Super Conference Red Northwest are at or below five hundred. That's more than sixty percent of the conference is at or below five hundred. I mean, that's bleak. Um, yeah, it's rough. All right, let's get into the. Uh, let's get into. Uh, okay, let me just throw it out. We're gonna the Red Central right now would be so much fun. It would be Hyde Park, Curie. Kenwood, uh, Perspectives MSA, and Phillips. I mean, those are all pretty good teams this year. It'd be great. Um, I, I would shove Bogan in there, who's having a good year in the white and might be back soon, but uh, to do a six team. Anyway, I, I do not get what we're getting out of this. I think it needs to be reevaluated. Um, all right, questions. Let's get into this mailbag. All right, we're going to start off, I guess. This we sort of maybe answered this. My buddy Frank, who I see in Pontiac every year, said, "What is one team and/or player who has underperformed in the early season and needs to have a breakout during the holiday tournaments?" I guess we didn't. We didn't think really matters really underperformed. I guess my answer to this question would be Lake Forest. I had them ranked in the preseason. They've got Asa Thomas, the Clemson recruit, one of the better seniors in the state. And uh, rough times there for them, for sure. I'm going to see them tomorrow against Glenbrook South, but I would like to see some more out of Lake Forest. I'll, I'll probably, you know, I'm a second that, you know, I mean, I, I had some high hopes for Lake Forest. Um, you know, they lost by double digits this last week to Stevenson in the in North Suburban Conference. You know, I, I'm not, as part of the player, Mike, I'm, I'm not going to single out a player, but I'm going to single out a class, the sophomore class. I need you, sophomore class, class of 2025. Yeah. Class of 2025, man. We need some some players to step up and really elevate yourself because I am searching. I'm sending out my stuff to my 150-some college coaches. And gosh, is that list short. So... I Just really put Jeremiah fears in big bold letters on the page. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 <laughs> if you really yeah. break down that group, Mike, and again, I don't want to single out individual players because I've got players ranked in my top ten and top fifteen that in other years wouldn't sniff the top ten or fifteen. So it's not it, the good news is that they're young; they haven't even played their half of their sophomore season yet, but. It is alarming right now or where we're at with that class of 2025 in the state. Um, so that that's, you know, that's the one I, you know, holiday tournament time historically has always been a time where, you know, a kid or two or five have just kind of shined and, and broke out, whether it be a young kid or even a senior. But 
that's that's that'd be my one in that to answer that's that a, question. Yeah, that, that's a good one. I uh, you know, I saw I, EJ Breland played pretty well, St. Pat's kid. Um, Terrence Smith, that West Aurora, sounds like uh, he might be a football guy now. Uh, from what I understand, I know he's like a top ten player, but I, he was fantastic. I guess. Yeah, wide receiver. Some, yeah, some some big uh, names after him. Yeah, it's it's not been, and this is usually you know sophomores break out. It's fun. I remember one year sitting at Seton. I think it was probably a Seton Hales or a Seton Leo game. I saw this kid. It was at halftime. He'd been fantastic, and I texted Joe, and I'm like, "Do you know this Javon Freeman kid? He's really good." Joe's like, no, I haven't heard of him. I text Scott Burgess. He's like, no. I'm like, oh, I think this kid's going to be all right. And, you know, that stuff happens as we go along. We see sophomores all the time. And it, I have not texted Joe <laughs> so far <laughs> with anybody and yeah. said, yeah, I knew he already knew the ones I'd seen that had played well. And there was no new. We, we, we definitely need some uh, some hot new names uh, for sure. Next question. Uh, oh, boy. Um Panayotis, I'm sorry, uh, I just butchered your name, but uh, uh, his question is a good one. Do you ever see the Proviso West Holiday Tournament and Big Dipper becoming the high-profile events they once were? I never say never. You know, I, I think both have obviously taken a little step forward in the right direction from where they have been in recent years. I, I think it's going to take a a it's going to take a person or a committee, an individual that is going to really rise to the occasion and put their best foot forward in making it a signature event again. It, it doesn't just happen. It just doesn't. You know, you can't take your sixteen teams and hope that six of them become good. Uh, you're going to have to be creative. You're going to have to go out and seek out. A, a team or two each year to try to get it back is proviso west ever going to be what it once was no there's zero chance that thing was a monster for, i don't know how many years it was but it was just it was the place to be uh dipper is just different because it's so local regional in, in the south suburbs and it was special and unique in that way uh so i i think the dipper it's just had some growing pains here uh, since since its demise, really. Yeah, Dipper's on its way back. I, I think it can do it. I'm not. I think if some decent management, and some love, the crowds never really went away that badly. I think the Dipper will be okay, as Joe said. Proviso West will never be what it was again. It was just too big, and they burned too many bridges. Too many people have negative experiences yeah. there. Um, I think something else could replace it easily and become a destination um, and work really well. It just won't be Proviso West necessarily. Uh, next up, uh, Joshua with a really good question. He, he entitled the email Jordan versus Plumbers, which if you're on Twitter, you know quite well what that means. But he says, hi there. How do you feel about the theory that current athletic talent exceeds that of the past? He, he mentions even the 80s and 90s, et cetera. What's your take on that, Joe? On strictly Illinois high school basketball? He doesn't specify. Uh, but, yeah, let's say that. Well, that's an easy one. No. <laughs> it's not It's not even close. Um, by my previous <laughs> – I mean, I've said that about a number of classes in the last six, seven, eight years. 
what I just said about the Zoblast. And I think athleticism too, not even talking about like your ranked players, raw athletes, man, I used to just wander into a gym to cover a game that I had to for the Sun-Times. Like when I was a stringer, I'd be forced to go to some bad Red North game, you know, because we just covered every game back then. And I would see some kid throw down the most amazing dunk. This kid will, would never play college basketball. He was just a freak athlete, you know, that got lucky on an open break. I don't even see that kind of stuff at the high level games anymore. I feel like for some reason, these crazy fast twitch lightning athletes that can barely play basketball don't even exist. And we have an awful lot of guys that dribble around cones a lot with a personal trainer. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, I I hate to sound negative and I, I, um, my business is, recruiting and evaluations and scouting service for college coaches. I hope college coaches aren't listening because I it, it's again, it's alarming the difference in, in division one talent in this state, which it, it's just, it's, it's the numbers prove it. It's just not happening. It's just from the last six, seven years since 2016, the numbers are drastically different. They just are. But but Joe, uh, where are my Demetrius Evanses from Vaughn, my Antoine Jackson from Joliet? These kids who aren't going to be on your list, but you know, we're crazy athletes. I, I feel like we've lost that too. No, I I, I agree with you too on on the athleticism part. Athleticism, yeah, part. That, that's what I'm missing. But but, but but what I don't get is why it's happening here and it's not happening everywhere else. Because you look at the NBA, you look at yeah. college basketball. That's way more athletic than it's ever been. <laughs> I mean, the, the different levels of basketball are so much more athletic. And, but I, I agree with you that where is the 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", freaky, long, athletic players in Illinois? It, it, it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's bad. The, All right, and, let's, let's it's, the Andre uh, Iguodala's, the Corey McGettys, the – I, I, I go on and on. You're asking for Magetti's. I just wanted Demetrius Evans. Yes, true. <laughs> um, next up is Thomas. Uh, two questions, both brother rice. One A, has brother rice's start surprised you? I think we can both we both had him really high ranked. Yeah. No. Um, one B, is the Ahmad Henderson Kale Cosme show the best entertainment in Chicagoland? Thomas, I thoroughly enjoyed it <laughs> the other night against Romeoville. Cosme had not played enough for me and <laughs> the other games I'd seen because I, I really like him as a player and I would imagine he's going to be playing plenty after how well they played together and how he changed the team it, it is definitely a fun show to watch yeah it's this the 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 diminutive backcourt of, <laughs> of it's about as small as you can get and but they know how to play that's that's when you watch him you, you just say Cosby knows how to play is it the greatest show on earth or whatever the question was <laughs> If it's a yes or no, no, but no, it is it is a fun watch, and Brother Rice is going to be entertaining the rest of the way. All right, next up, Tom says, outside of the four seeded teams at Pontiac, who has the best chance to make the semis? Easy pick right here, right? It's New Trier. They could actually be favored over Curie. Um, yeah, I, right? I could see I could see New Trier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bloom and Bennett. That'll be a close one, most likely. Bloom's played really well, but but I, I'd go as far as to say that New Trier. I might take them over here. I have not seen them yet. I will Friday. Nutria Joe has, but I think that could definitely go either way. Um, next up, Ron 
Two undefeated teams that have been under the radar this year, Manly and Barrington. Do you see any potential there? Um, Manly is in the blue, which is below the white. They are undefeated, so no, there is no potential there. Although Manly's headed to the white. They will be up next year, and it sounds like they got a, a good freshman, uh, Jelly Love. Barrington, yeah. Joe. Yeah, I, I, wrote, I wrote about Barrington last week. You know, Barrington is off to a great start, surprising start. They have a conference they can win, a sectional they can win, and 25 wins as possible. Uh, partly did the schedule, but yes, uh, Barrington could do some things. They could win Jacobs. Jacobs, by the way, yeah. is a real tournament this year. I'm yeah. sorry, that, that was mean. It's a it's yeah. a normal bracket bracket tournament. Yeah. Yes. Which is fun. I, I do wish it was they still were early though. I don't like that it's the twenty seventh to thirtieth or whatever. Yeah. I wish it was going on maybe this week. I'd go check it out. But anyway, um, next up, Demetrios. Which schools do you see as having a lot of potential, but for whatever reason, things haven't worked out? For example, HF should be great if they were able to keep their kids in that school. That's a whole other topic that you could go on and on. But we'll stick to HF because you brought it up. I think HF is a goldmine. I think HF's one of the best jobs, and, and most high school coaches will say it. it. It won my, you know, when I did the survey, the best job in the South Suburbs. Uh, and it's about keeping those kids home and, and, and keeping them in district. So I think that is, if you quote unquote, the sleeping giant, there it is right there. Yeah, I think Lincoln Way East is one to keep an eye on. Uh, they're trending in the right direction now. I think there are several South Suburban schools. I'm also going to point out, I think West Aurora um, has fallen off lately. And I think that that shouldn't really be the case in general out there. Um, I think things could work out better there for sure. Um, they next... did want to, they didn't want a sectional up a few years ago though. Yes. But I mean, they should be, yeah. it's West Aurora for goodness sake. Um, next up is Alex. And I like this question. Alex is Jeremiah fears on a Tyler Ulis type trajectory. How would Joe compare the two at this same age slash stage? I know Joe loved Tyler Eulis. <laughs> I was a huge Eulis guy <laughs> shouting from the mountaintops yes. early on that he was a high major. Um, yeah, I, I, I've wrote about this. I think Fears is vastly underrated nationally. I think it's ridiculous. I think it'll all correct itself. I think he's bona fide top 50, probably a top 25 talent in the entire country, which puts you in a, a status of Tyler Eulis. So to answer your question, yes. Yeah, Alex. I mean, if you look at the numbers right now, Jeremiah Fears could make a player of the year. He's got better numbers than all of them. He is score outscoring his brother. He's out. I mean, he's winning. It's going to be interesting what ha to see what happens at Pontiac. But looking around right now, I mean, it seems to me Jeremiah Fears, Morris Johnson are my two top prospects. If I was a prospect evaluator with, you know, James Brown there too. But yeah, it's been an exciting, exciting start to the season for Jeremiah Fears. He's living up to kind of the hype that um, a lot of people were giving him for sure. All right. Um, thank you everybody for sending in the questions. We appreciate it. Uh, fun little change there from just our ranting. And uh, I guess I'll see a lot of you on Friday. If we, if you can brave the snow for Sayonara, it should be a good one. Um, Young versus Simeon and Joliet West versus Sacred Heart Griffin and Mount Carmel versus Hyde Park and St. Rita versus an Indianapolis team that here is quite good. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back soon with the holiday tournament preview.